to the garden with a walking stick, walking stick. He's eating good. Um, and I want to thank you for this pastor. You know, I, I had a bad day the other day. I got fully exhausted. And I just text for prayer. But this man of God called me on the phone and spent many minutes with me, praying with me and supporting me, just like the rest of you have done. And I just thank you and exalt God's name on high and give him all the glory. And Amen. if you need Amen. prayer for healing and you believe and have faith, and you ask in the name of Jesus by the stripes he wore, he will give you that healing. Amen.
still working on a bit of an introduction to the armor of the Lord that we see starting in uh, verse 10 and on down through. And last week we were talking about verse 10, being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We're talking about our secure position in God, our secure position in the Lord. And uh, we are going to be moving into Ephesians, the uh, 13th chapter, 13th verse, which is taking up the whole armor of God. But verses 11 and 12 we want to deal with today uh, because it gives us a little bit of an introduction to what's happening. We talked about that strength, that power that we have, and that it's always at our disposal. We have power over all the power of the enemy, over all his authority in our lives. But many times that claiming of strength, you know, how Scripture tells us repeatedly, be strong in the Lord, be strong in the Lord. That claiming of strength is not necessarily a magic wand. It takes a daily walk sometimes hourly, uh, persistent claiming of his promises, resting, strengthening, quoting scripture, reading the word, letting it be inside. It, it takes, it takes a, a great deal of spiritual energy to do that. Uh, and the reason that we need his strength is found in verses 12 and uh, 11 and 12 in particular. Let's just read verses 11 and 12 of Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Some of your Bibles may say schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And that's why he then begins in verse 13. Therefore, we always know the scripture, therefore is there for a reason. So he bases everything on what he just said. So we're going to look at three quick points today. We're going to see our enemy, we're going to see uh, our struggle, and then we're going to see our victory, of course, in Jesus. So first of all, we notice the enemy, and he brings this up in verse uh, 11. He names him. It is the devil. Our enemy is the devil. We could delve deeply into uh, all of the spiritual realm of the demonic. Uh, there are books that are written about it. There are topics that have been discussed about the hierarchy of Satan. Uh, all the way down from Satan to his archangels to demonic forces, etc., etc. But we can just simply give a definition of all these words in verse 12 to help you get a good picture. First of all, we have the devil. We know who he is. Uh, and then we have rulers. The Greek word is archos, from which we get our word arche, or arch, or beginning, or first. So they are seemingly higher power or authority. We have authorities. We have been told that we have authority over the enemy. Where is Ecclesia? Same word there. So our authority, they have authority as well. Of course, our authority is greater. Uh, the cosmic powers, I, I, I like I like this one uh, word that's in here. The rulers of the darks of the age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Um, it literally is cosmos, cosmokratos is the Greek word. It's interesting. Cosmos, from which we get the our word cosmos or world. And kratos, we talked about that last week, I believe it was, that we have a democracy. That is a rule of the people. So rule is kratos. And so there is this demonic, cosmic rulership. You can see it all through the world. You can see it everywhere. A, a cosmic rulership. And then there's also a spiritual evil. It's just plain old evil that is in the world. Those are the, those are the, the, the individuals that we're fighting with. And uh, that's the spiritual wickedness. But I'm going to give you several points as to exactly what they are. And we'll walk through these very quickly here. Number one, they are spiritual personalities. The devil and all his hordes are spiritual personalities. They are not flesh and blood. 
They exist apart from matter, so therefore they have the advantage. They don't have to sleep. They don't get hungry. They don't have to take a nap. They never take a break. Oh, boy, they never take a break. They are always on the prowl, always seeking who they can devour. They never, ever stop. They never wake up in the morning, shuffle down to the uh, workroom, put on the coffee, and if you're like most of us, are not conscious yet until they get your coffee. <laughs> Amen. And then they get there, and they look at their work order for the day, and they say, oh, look, Dave Brazili's sick today. He's not feeling well. He's staying in bed. I guess we'll give him the day off. They don't do that. How many know what they do? Hit them harder. Call out more demons. Hit them harder. So they never take a break. The second thing about this is they are spiritual personalities. They are not mindless entities. They are beings with self-will, self-determination. They are under the direction of those above them. They take orders, and they operate in those orders. So they are spiritual personalities, number one. Number two, they are wicked personalities, spiritual wickedness or wicked spirits. They are out of sympathy with God. They are bitter and hostile to all that is divine. Anything that is benevolent, anything that is happy, they are against it. If it's good, they hate it. If it's bad, they love it. If it brings life, they don't want it. If it brings death, they love it. They love to steal, kill, and destroy. That's their purpose. And you cannot negotiate with them. Can't negotiate with them. Now, Jesus in Scripture sometimes chatted with demons. Well, he was Jesus. When it comes to us, don't chat with devils. Just get rid of them. Cast them out. Don't talk to them. You cannot negotiate with your flesh that is sometimes under the direction of the evil one. You can't negotiate with evil things. It doesn't work that way. They are smarter than you. I know. You all think you're smart. They are way smarter than you. They are way smarter than you. And, and their, their goal is total destruction at every level. So they are spiritual personalities. They are wicked personalities. They are diverse personalities. They differ in their make and their rank. They're not all the same nature and measure of faculty, nor of the same rank in the universe. Some are principalities, some are rulers, some are powers, uh, as we mentioned. Some have greater authority and lesser authority. But these are all diverse personalities. And also, they are organized personalities. They're under one head. This is the wiles of the devil. He's in charge. There is one gigantic intellect that manages and marshals the whole. He who seduced our first parents, he with whom Christ babbled in the wilderness, it is him. And these groups or hierarchies of evil spirits are not left to themselves just to wander around. They are welded together by one master intellect. They are managed by force and fraud, all of them, and they are under his direction to do his bidding. And, just two more quick points. They are listening to us right now. Right this second, they're hovering. And they're listening. And right now, they are already placing devices to trip you up as you leave this place. They are conniving. They are creating schemes. They're hiding spiritual IEDs along your path. And let me tell you something. Their, their explosive devices are the most perfectly defined, improvised explosive devices 
They are handmade just for you. Not for the person next to you. Not for your wife, not for your husband, not for your child. He's making IEDs just for you. He has seen a million of your character since the fall. He knows exactly what, how you tick, and he knows exactly what ticks you off. He knows what lust scratches your itch. He knows everything about you. He knows more about you than you know about yourself outside of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> right now, they are planning conversations that will occur tomorrow morning at work. They're creating Facebook posts that you're going to read. They're, 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 they're organizing a horrible Monday morning for you. They're working on it. They're doing everything they can. They're way ahead of you. They've already thought five steps ahead. You can't outthink them. You can't outsmart them. They're already there. And all of this, one last point, all of this is because they hate you. You have an enemy this morning. You have somebody that hates you. No, not your mother-in-law. <laughs> well, maybe yes, your mother-in-law. But here's the good news. We all have the same enemy this morning that wants us dead, and Paul names him the devil. He is the opposer to all that God is and the destroyer of all that God wants to do. You can debate where he came from. You can ask why he's here. You can ask how he obtained his power. But for today, for today understand that you are in a long line of humans that Satan has hated from the very beginning and has wanted to destroy. He hated Adam and Eve. He hated Abel. He hated Abraham. He hated Jacob and Joseph. He hated Moses and Joshua going into Canaan land. He hated Ruth. Why would you hate Ruth? She was a nice girl. He hated Esther, that young girl. He hated the Jews. He hated Daniel and Isaiah and Malachi and Paul and Peter and James and John and Jude. And he hated Jesus the most. If you, if you got that list, though, in your heart and in your mind, you're going to understand that he's hated us for all of eternity and he still can't win. Right. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Jesus said, the world hates you, and you know that it hated me before it hated you. And, and that is not just in his earthly form. I believe what Jesus was referring to there was when Satan fell, whenever that was, a trillion years ago, a million years, who knows? But from that moment, Satan hated Jesus from the very beginning, probably because he knew what was coming. If you were of the world, Jesus said, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have cho chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So, this morning, as we look at this enemy, you are in good company because you are with Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. You, you can probably look at somebody and say, look at somebody and say, he hates me and I'm happy. <laughs> what a joy to know the devil hates me this morning. I would rather be with Jesus and hated by the devil than be with the devil and loved by everybody else. I would rather have nothing but have Jesus than have the world and everything else. When I have Jesus, I have it all. So, you never thought that you would be happy to hear that somebody hates you and wants you dead this morning. But that's exactly what Satan is doing in your life. He wants you dead. But Jesus put it this way, didn't he, in the Sermon on the Mount? Happy, blessed, happy are those. Happy are the meek. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are the persecuted. 
your, your, your perception is, is starting to wane, and that's when you start to make mistakes. Satan knows that. Satan is never going to come at you with a 12-foot demon with a flaming sword. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, he'll come, he'll come by you with a real pretty blonde. <laughs> Male or female. Right? He comes by with something that looks... He, he clothes himself, changes himself to be an angel of light. That's how he does what he does. That's how the deception begins. So he comes in close. He comes in close with fists flailing. And he says, how does he do it? Well, Paul tells us in this passage, he says, the wiles of the devil. The Greek word is methodius, which means methods. Satan has methods. And another translation uh, in 2 Corinthians 2, 11, scheme. And, and the root word there is noema, which means the mind. That's fine. So we, we have to bring in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse 5. <clears throat> you know it by heart. But Paul says it, uh, again, very similar to what we just read. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And this is interesting. They're not carnal, but they are mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds. It's interesting that he said it that way, isn't it? He didn't say the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are spiritual. He didn't say that. He said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God. And then he gives us two phrases, casting down and bringing into captivity, casting down and bringing into captivity, three things. Three things in that verse and in several others. Imaginations, any knowledge contrary to God, and thoughts. Imaginations, where do imaginations start? In your elbow? Your lung? Imaginations, any knowledge contrary to God, and thoughts. Paul says we've got to cast those down. We've got to bring them into captivity. So, let me ask you, where do you think the devil attacks you most? In your brain. Your thoughts. The way you think. What you see. What you feel. You feel empathy towards something. You feel a thing toward that. And the enemy begins to attack. The enemy begins to attack. Can I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you a story. I'll tell you a story how, how this works. I, I shared this with my wife. I shared this publicly before. I might have shared it here. I don't know. But um, <clears throat> I, I'm not real good with handicapped people. Okay? I, I have too much empathy for them. I, I, I struggle when I'm with them. I can't be real objective. Okay? So I would not be good working in a nursing home or working with handicapped people or being a therapist because they would probably start crying and I would say, okay, go sit down. You know? Yeah. No, that wouldn't be good. So, <clears throat> so, so, uh, I, when I was traveling overseas a lot, I was in um, Chile, and everywhere I go, of course, they would get an, uh, an interpreter for me, and 99% of the time, it was a male interpreter, and because when you're traveling like that, you're with that interpreter, <laughs> all, they wake you up in the morning, and you're with them lunch, dinner, all through the day, until you, you go back to the hotel or room where you're staying, and then it's good night, and see you tomorrow morning. You're preaching with them, you're studying the message with them, you're going over things, so it's all day long. <clears throat> in this particular case, it was a woman interpreter. And that's okay, because the pastor there traveled with us and all that, but she was blind. So, already, she was a younger woman, she was blind. Matter of fact, I think she's married and has children that lives in, I think, Vancouver now. Uh, moved up with her, with her husband years ago. 
cards hopping uh, and up on the platform, sitting on the platform, going to preach, leader up. So for three or four days, I, I did this. And so already my heart is empathetic. I'm already feeling empathy toward this person. And then uh, she's a woman, a man. Uh, I know, I know that's not popular nowadays. Man and woman. That still is again. <laughs> and men are not to be together with women singly. They're not, they're, that's the way God made it. But anyway, and so I had this empathy, and nothing happened or anything, but as I, as I left at the end of the, that time there, and I went to say goodbye to her at the airport with, with the missionaries, a couple of missionaries, a couple of uh, people there, and I went to say goodbye to her, and uh, oh, bless you, bless you, thank you so much, et cetera, et cetera, and I got on the plane, and I had this real heavy emotional feeling, and I'm thinking to myself, what is this weird feeling? I'm not, I'm not in love with her. I know that. I'm in love with my wife. I can't wait to get home. I, would, I don't know what this is. It was this weird, heavy emotion. Oh, you're really looking at me now. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Out of your attention. I should, ask, I should get out some missions pledge forms right now. Jesus looked at him and said, why are you reasoning among yourselves? 
He will use reason to spin a web. A equals B, B equals C, therefore A equals C. So I guess this must be right. Okay, I got it. Got it. No, it's not. He uses lies to create an intricate myth. He uses words to twist into confusing rhetoric things that create strongholds in our lives. That's why we have only one weapon in our arsenal, and we'll see it as we look at the armor of God, and that is offensive, and that is the word of God. Jesus, during his temptation, it is written, it is written, it is written. He replied three times. Jesus had power over the devil. He could have just said, devil, just go back to the pit and shut up. But no, he said, I'm going to go to the word. I'm going to go to the word, Satan, and I'm going to tell you. And so it's the word, folks. This is all we need to come back to mind right here. It's the word. So our struggle is against the conniving wiles of the devil, and he will use every tool at his disposal, even good things like wonderful spirit-filled interpreters that love God and are serving him. He will use everything at his disposal. In every, why? Because as I said earlier, he knows me better than I know myself. He knows you better than you know yourself. <clears throat> and only the Holy Spirit can change that. All right, last point. Last point. We see our enemy. We see our struggle. We're wrestling. You're wrestling your flesh. You're like Jacob. You gotta keep wrestling it. You gotta keep wrestling it. Wrestle that flesh. And then finally comes our victory. If you think <clears throat> that the odds are too great, if you think that the enemy is too powerful, then you need to look back to Ephesians, the first chapter, verse three, where we started this whole thing probably a year ago. Look back at that and read it, and you'll see that it says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our." who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Stop there for a moment. He has blessed us with almost all the blessings we need. Every. No. Every. Everybody say every. Every. Every is a spiritual way. And they are not carnal blessings. They have nothing to do with Youngstown or Cleveland or Pittsburgh or Northeastern Ohio or the United States. They have nothing to do with anything down here, they are spiritual blessings. It's not a bank account, it's not a doctor's good report, it's spiritual blessing. And he placed those spiritual blessings not on this earth, but in heavenly places. Where are we fighting the devil? We're fighting him in spiritual wickedness, in spiritual places, in spiritual authorities in, the, in this realm. That's where we're fighting. We're not fighting them down here. So Paul says, here's where God's going to bless you. Not down here. He's going to bless you up there. He's going to bless you in the spiritual realm because you are in Christ Jesus, and that's where the battle is occurring. So if you're down here taking out a gun or a bat or doing this or that, trying to stop some this or that, it ain't going to happen, my friend. It's in the spiritual realm that we're fighting. It was the goodwill. It was the goodwill of the Father to choose us from before time. It was the goodwill of the Father to predestine us to be his children. It was his goodwill to make us accepted in the beloved. It was his goodwill to redeem us, oh hallelujah, to buy us back and to pour out his good pleasure in us. It was his goodwill to give us an inheritance, to give us wisdom, to give us his prudence and his providence. And it was in his good pleasure in Ephesians 1 to seal us with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm so glad I'm marked this morning. I've got a tattoo you would never leave if you could see it in the spirit realm. Why? The word says, Paul says, so that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might bring together in one both which are in heaven 
and in the earth. And it was his good pleasure to put all things under the feet of Jesus and then to make us the fullness of him that fills all in all. Hallelujah. So before we even get to the armor of God, you've got to know that no weapon that is formed against you is going to prosper. Right. Because <laughs> God said, I'm the one that made the blacksmith. I'm the one that fashioned the coals upon which he makes the armor, or upon which he makes the weapon. And he says, therefore, since I know him and I know every weapon that's ever been made since the beginning of time, I'm telling you right now, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. The enemy's going to attack you in one direction and flee in seven different directions. Any Goliath that you face will have an X on his forehead. I'll give you the stone. I'll show you how to throw it. And you'll knock him dead every time. Spiritual, spiritual wickedness that's arrayed against us. Let me tell you something right now. The spiritual wickedness that is arrayed against us can wipe out David Brazili in 14 seconds, maybe, if I could hold out that long. But the spiritual wickedness that is arrayed against David Brazili, when he has Jesus living inside of him and he's sealed by the Holy Spirit, has no chance in hell.
I went down and picked the storm. I made it back before the storm. Yeah, he got out of there before he came. Yeah.